The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Thank you to everyone who supports the show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, please do us a favor and check out our uh, website, patreon.com slash major spoilers, and see how your small monthly donation can keep us going far, far, far into the future. Thank you so much. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, in anticipation of the upcoming movie, we're taking a... No, wait. The, um, this way. Okay. So this week on the show, we're going to review death on the Nile for no other reason than we're reviewing European comics and, and certainly nothing about a movie because that movie got moved again and probably won't come out until 2022 plus more stuff because the major spoilers podcast ace on all. Welcome to issue 895 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. Yes, this week, Death on the Nile. <sighs> it's not just a river in Egypt. No, uh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, well, you know, we'll get to that. Uh, if, if, you enjoy, if you enjoy the death talk that we're going to have a little bit later on, then by all means, you definitely want to check out the Major Spoilers pre-show this week. You can get that as part of your silver level and higher membership over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Let's do some news. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. New format. Still getting used to it. Uh, so uh, for everyone who is just discovering YouTube's Cobra Kai on Netflix, here's some good news. The third season of the show will arrive on January 8th, 2021, with season form confirmed to be in the works at the streaming service. Cobra Kai features the continuing adventures of Johnny Lawrence and Danny LaRusso from the 1984 Karate Karate Kid movie franchise. Um, you know, I'm glad that a lot of people are finally discovering Cobra Kai, even though it's it feels like, man, we were just talking about this like two, three years ago about how good this show was over on YouTube and no one was paying attention to it, which probably explains why YouTube had to sell it off uh, and Netflix mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, picking it up. But, you know, I'm glad that a lot of people are able to uh, check this out, and I hope it's uh, a show that will con- continue. I believe season three is going to feature the return of Elizabeth Shue into, uh, into the story. A really big shoe. Uh, if you are a Marvel fan, Marvel movies, Marvel television, Disney Plus has now cast Iman Vellani to play Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, in an upcoming series. Ms. Marvel, of course, first appeared in 2013 or so, Captain Marvel number 14. She has the ability to alter her shape and size and uses her idealistic attitudes to make the world a better place. Much like uh, the Nick Fury series we mentioned last week, there's no release date yet, but Ms. Marvel is said to be directed by Adil LRB, Bibal Fala, Charmin Obaid Chinoy, and Mira Manon. Diamond Comic Distributors has announced that Venom number 27 topped its direct market chart for August 2020, followed by Thor number 6, Maestro number 1, X-Men number 11, and The Amazing Spider-Man number 47. 
Now, keep in mind that Diamond Charts only track comics that it ships to the direct market. In other words, your local comic shop and does not right now include DC Comics, which cut ties with Time Diamond during the comic book industry pandemic shutdown. While it looks like Marvel is doing well, capturing 60% of the dark, uh, direct market share through Diamond, Comicron, which uh, is a good site to go check out, Comicron.com, tracked the DC sales and created a combined sales ranking, which lists Batman 3 Jokers number one, Batman 96 and 97, and Dark Knight's Death Metal number three, and Detective Comics 1025 in the top five spots, with Venom number 27 coming in sixth, Thor in eighth place, and Maestro number one rounding out the top ten. This is very important, ladies and gentlemen, because you are going to see a lot of confusion. I don't want to say disinformation, but you're going to see information passed off as absolute fact in the coming months and years as Diamond continues to release their monthly sales data that does not include DC Comics. Literally a third of the entire comics industry because DC no longer ships with Diamond. So while it was very exciting when Diamond came out and said, oh, look how great Venom is. Venom number 27 is the number one selling comic in August. It really isn't. And that is something that you need to be aware of. Number one, because it doesn't include DC data. Number two, because it's only tracking data in the direct market and not stuff outside of the direct market like, uh, uh, you know, book sales, bookstores, Scholastic, all of those other places, mail order stuff doesn't include any of that. And so you have to look at this stuff with, you know, a little bit of grain of salt. And in fact, I'm not even trusting any of the information that Diamond sends out anymore about their monthly sales. So I'm going to let you know right now, we won't be publishing Diamond sales data going forward unless uh, it's an end of the year thing where they talk about how the industry went. But we're no longer going to be tracking uh, month to month sales of, of comics and sharing that information with you because simply the Diamond data is not complete when looking at the entire comic book industry. So I hope going forward, you'll understand that, but because we don't have all of the data, uh, I don't, uh, I don't think that that is something that we should be sharing and, and marketing as truth when it's not. So I might start sharing some data from comiccron.com. Uh, that's comic C H or actually it's comic H R O N.com, uh, is the place you want to go because they are, uh, surveying a bunch of stores uh, across the United States to find out what their DC sales are and then uh, kind of marking it that way and coming up with their estimates. They're very, very close. Essentially, they and ICV2 work together to collect a lot of this uh, actual sales estimate data uh, to where they get a better picture of that overall. Uh, so I would go check out them if you're looking to uh, have an argument with someone at the comic book store about what was the best-selling comic in the previous month. And if you are doing that, you're a bad person and you should feel bad. But wrapping up our news segment this week, reports are coming out of Deadline Hollywood claiming that Netflix is working on live action adaptation of, drumroll please. Thank you. Sorry, I was muted. Man, you got to unmute your drums. I was letting all the live. listeners do it because I was wanting that, you know, fan participation. A live action adaptation of Robert E. Howard's Conan. This is the first project spinning out of an agreement between Netflix and Conan Properties International. And according to reports, Netflix has exclusive options to require uh, rights to develop for television and film, live action and animated. Conan, of course, first appeared in Weird Tales magazine way, way back in 1932. Has been featured in movies, comic books, animated television shows, a couple of parodies in the movie UHF, video games, toys, blah, 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 blue. 
Uh, keep in mind, this has no impact on the Marvel Conan series that uh, that uh, Marvel and, and uh, Conan Properties has. Also, if you remember, ooh, I don't know, it was a couple of years ago, there was rumors that Amazon was looking at doing a series. Their time for an option option means that for a specific amount of time, you're going to have the exclusive rights to decide if you want to buy the rights to something or work on something to see if you can develop something. So this may never go anywhere right now. They've just acquired the the exclusivity to develop something and move it forward if they desire. But if they don't do it within the time limit of their option, that'll go away. And anyone, including major spoilers, could go to Conan Properties and say, we would like to buy the option on this for the next five years or whatever it is. Well, we would Here's never be able to afford bucks. it. We would, well, unfortunately, that's going to be very, very expensive to do that, which is why Netflix and Amazon have been the only ones that have been able to do that. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you want to know more about Deadline Hollywood, uh, go check out our pre-show. We talk a little bit about it in the Hollywood Reporter and Variety. Again, you can find that pre-show over at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And if you would like to comment on any of these uh, news stories, then you can join the conversation over in our Discord. You can join the Major Spoilers Discord server for free or link your Patreon account to Discord and get access to even more features at patreon.com slash major spoilers. I think we are now ready for some reviews. Reviews. So I had mentioned last week uh, that I was going to do Stranger Things Science Camp number one, but it didn't get sent to me in time. So I'm going to do Stranger Things Science Camp number one this week from Dark Horse Comics because I felt bad that they went through the uh, they went through the effort to get me the comic. So we might as well review it. It did come out last week from Dark Horse Comics from writer Jody Hauser and penciler Edgar Salazar. This is um, this takes place between seasons two and three at a time when Toothless uh, or yeah, Dustin goes to science camp. And he is going to do sciencey things. And of course, when he gets there, he finds out that science camp may be no different than uh, in school where you're going to find bullies and you're going to find uh, groups of people that are going to to join up and do different things. And he's also going to discover that maybe he has a chance to, instead of being the follower, be a bit of a leader because, you know, apparently in the story, uh, boys are too afraid to talk to girls and that if you've talked to a girl, you're really cool. And if you have a Dungeons and Dragons group, then you're even more cool. And uh, so he's uh, really starting to elevate himself to be a bit of a leader and a bit of a of a um, big shot at science camp. Meanwhile, Camp Nowhere uh, has camp counselors who might want to drink a little beer, maybe get a little uh, sexy times going on, maybe get killed by a man in a mask. Dun, dun, dun. No. Yep. No. Now, I'm not saying that it is uh, Jason meets science, uh, Stranger Things, but the end does have somebody wearing a mask showing up at a cabin and uh, uh, potentially killing a girl who uh, who is a kind of a straight laced girl who decided to uh, I, I can be cool, too, and crack open a beer and drink it. And then suddenly the mysterious figure shows up and uh, may or may not have killed her. I'm going to say did kill her. So there you go. Uh, overall, uh, this was fun. I mean, this is, you know, whenever you have an adaptation of uh, a pre-existing media, especially when this takes place between seasons, go in and have fun with it, but don't expect major revelations or major changes in a particular character, in this case, Dustin, because we kind of know his fate. He's fine. He gets a girlfriend. Hopefully we'll find out how he meets his girlfriend in this series. So I'm going to give uh, Stranger Things Science Camp number one, four slices of meatloaf out of five, out last week from Dark Horse Comics. 
out this week, Matthew. It is a big issue, not only because of its numbering, but also because the Joker War concludes in Batman number 100 from DC Comics. Yep. Out in June of 1950. No, wait, I'm sorry. That's Batman Volume 1. Number 100. This is Batman Volume 5, number 100, written by James Tinian IV, art by Jorge Jimenez, Carlos Pagalian, and Gillam March. Three different stories in this issue. And I got to say, I appreciate how easy it was to walk into this. I have not really been paying attention to the Joker War. I think the last Batman thing that I paid really close attention to was the bait and switch on the wedding. And, you know, I'm not bitter about it. I'll get over it. Uh, but this issue opens with a scene that I just flat out love. Uh, it starts in the clock tower in Gotham with Batgirl walking in, taking off her mask, putting on her glasses, logging in and telling everyone that Oracle is officially back online. I kind of like that uh, because the entire Bat family is getting their faces handed to them by hordes and hordes of mask goobers all over the city. Uh, acting Commissioner Harvey Bullock is in a bad place. Bat, uh, Batgirl, Batwoman, Nightwing. By the way, Nightwing is apparently back to his regular self. Yeah, he got nice. hit in the head again, and I think he got his memories back. Oh, that happens. They're the all old Gilligan, fight fight the old fight. Gilligan defense. Yep. And somewhere, uh, I believe, in the actual factory, the chemical factory where the Joker was created, Joker has stolen... Batman's prototype future uniform that he created in the hopes that someday he could, you know, have a, a nicer bat world. And the Joker has animated the corpse of Alfred. And the corpse of Alfred is running around with Joker venom and literally mocking the heck out of Batman, saying things like, I wish I'd been Aquaman's butler instead. So the Joker very clearly knows. I don't know if that's new news or not. Um, it was kind of hinted at in Three Jokers and some other places. So I th okay. and of course, if you've watched the second season or maybe it's the first season of the Harley Quinn show, uh, he definitely knows in that. OK, I have not been watching that, but this story brings a few things to head that I think are very interesting. First of all, Punchline is in it. Uh, she gets beaten up by Nightwing and put in jail which I'm sort of fine with. Um, there's a moment where everyone in the heroic side of the Bat family is like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Wait, did somebody steal back Bruce's fortune? And then you cut to a mysterious woman in the shadows who says only one thing, morale. Uh, but throughout this issue, there are a lot of really impressive emotional beats. There are a lot of moments that I was not expecting and I feel like they brought up one of the most obnoxious Batman versus Joker talking points in a really interesting way. Because Batman and Joker are fighting. Joker is about to take a killing, sh killing strike. And suddenly he's shot in the face by Harley. And Harley ties him up and takes one of the bombs that he has been using to torture the city, ties it to him and says to Batman, we're going to play a game. You now get to decide whether you're going to let him live again or whether you're going to change the game. And I'm not going to tell you what happens after that mm. because it's really interesting. Batman punches but her in the face and, and uh, wraps it all up in a single panel. Nope. She runs away. La, 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 la. I'm Harley Quinn. La, 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 la. Um, but that first story ends really well. Um, they also have to rebury the reanimated corpses of the Waynes. 
Oh, which is awful. And a new villain pops up. Actually, a couple of new villains. There's a second story involving a character called the Clown Hunter, who has been running around Gotham killing people who put on clown masks and were part of the Joker's uh, anarchy war. Oh, okay. I was going to say, which is um, hero or villain? I don't know. Some people might have uh, uh, very distinct uh, views on Clown Hunter. He falls into that anarchy thing where he's pretty much just as much a vigilante as Batman, but Batman is opposing him because something about his methods doesn't work right. And then, of course, the final story explains what happened to Punchline and leads into the upcoming Punchline number one and also has somebody else in the book proving that he, she, it, or they were not dispatched as firmly as things might have. Also, you might want to check out another series called The Three Jokers. Oh, I've seen three Jokers. There's three of them. But I like this issue. And I like the fact that, you know, traditionally, back in the 80s when we were reading comics, you'd have the big 400, 500, 600 issue things. And Mm -hmm. it would be, here's a big story that wraps everything up. And then here's some quiet stuff. And then here's a story that shows us where we're going. This is in that mold. But I feel like it ties things up in a way that feels a lot more satisfying than it actually is because we know when we read this book that the Joker is not going anywhere. The Joker literally has Joker immortality and will come back, but they can close a chapter in a way that makes it feel thematically satisfying. And I feel like they succeeded here. I like the setup for the possibility of more clown hunter. I like the clown hunter character because we actually see him out of costume. We learn a little bit about him and I do like the role of Harley in this even though I am one of the people who is absolutely of the opinion that punchline is just cheese sandwich and they are shoving her down my throat and I don't want it. But all of that aside, three and a half slices of meatloaf for Batman number 100. Pretty good. Not a Batman fan, not a regular Batman reader, but this is an issue that even at six ninety nine, I feel is worth the price of admission. You're getting the equivalent of three comics here. Okay. Three comics worth. So it's what? 68 pages you said something like that yeah okay 72 pages i guess all right it's a lot of book okay it's three comics for the price of 2.5 comics and it features really really good art uh jimenez is an a bat artist that i really enjoy there's some stuff with uh nightwing in action that may be some of the best nightwing i've seen since the old days of scott mcdaniel in bloodhaven there's some really, really good stuff in the second story, Carlos Pagulian and the uh, Clown Hunter story. And I have to say, even though I'm mad about Punchline and I don't want to read about her, that last story made her look amazing. To the point where if this is the creative team, I might pick up this book just to look at it because it's that well done. Cool. Even though, you know, I, I don't want to like Punchline and I'm going to la 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 stick my hands in my ears. All right. Let us uh, wrap it up this week, Rodrigo, with The Vein. E or coming, A? Coming out next week. Uh, it's an A. Okay. Uh, but it's a comic about vampires, so there's like a word play going on there. Hmm. I guess. Uh, yeah, so The Vein, number one, uh, is... Uh, starts out 
with a robbery. These guys are like busting in someplace. It's like the old timey times, probably like the 40s, 30s. Um, and they are, uh, it's like two ladies and a dude who's a getaway driver and then another dude. And they bust into this place. And at first you're like, oh, this is like some sort of bank. But then you see that there's like nurses around and it's a, it's in fact a blood bank. So they're pulling Ooh. a blood heist. Ooh. Yep. So uh, then we cut to a an FBI agent who is starting to put together that there's been all of these like weird heists involving blood and is starting to get on their trail. Um. The the story then kind of jumps forward in time because to avoid the heat, uh, these guys kind of all go their separate ways. And they're like, we'll meet up when we run out of all this blood that we stole. Which is interesting because, uh, I mean, this blood needs to be refrigerated to last, presumably. Um, so... It's like, are they all like going off in their separate ways to their individual facilities where they have sufficient cold storage to to stash all this stuff? Who knows? I don't know. It doesn't get into it. Um, at the end, uh, it ends with a pretty interesting little cliffhanger. Um, and you see that uh, the book is going to kind of swing in a very different direction than even this first issue. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I like the art a lot. Um, there are uh, lots of women and people of color like around, and some of the protagonists are people of color, women, or men and women of color. Um, so that's good. That's nice to see. Um, it's uh, a little weird. I'm just like, I'm kind of, it's like, it's a good concept, but I'm not quite sold on it just because of sort of like all the vampire logistics that have to happen. There's also this like really weird aside where uh, some of the, some of the vampire crew like super kills this guy. Like they find his corpse and they kind of, they're kind of trying to tie it to them, and then they realize that like he that guy who got killed was himself a serial killer, um, and it's like at, at times it it seems like these these guys are vampires. Like at times it seems like they're trying like a little hard to be like, but they're sympathetic vampires, right? And I'm like, well, do they need to be sympathetic vampires? Can we just be like, okay, well, these are guys. These, you know, they need to to kill people and drink their blood. Although I guess they're working hard to figure out a way to not have to do that. You know, I'm. Uh, it's not bad. It's three and a half slices of meatloaf for me. Um, definitely above average. Um, you know, interesting art, interesting premise. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Is this a number one, or is this a OGN, or what is this? Uh, I believe this is a number one. Okay, just... for for three ninety nine, that's what I would imagine. Uh, yeah, yeah, it it's uh, it's a number one. It's from Oni Press. Okay, cool. 
I don't know. It doesn't look. I, I nothing that I've seen says that it's a limited series, but it might be. Well, pretty much everything outside of Marvel and DC are, you know, limited sure. series. Uh, you're going to find some exceptions. So I'm sure that this is a four or six issue mini. But I was just curious. I, I didn't see a numbering on it, so that's why I was I was curious about that. Right. Right. All right. Cool. Thank you for that, Rodrigo and Matthew. And dear listener, if you want to check out more reviews, you can find them at the one place, Majorspoilers.com. That's the place where you want to go for all your reviews, your previews, little bits of news here and there, podcasts, and a whole lot more. Uh, No Ashley this week, or if she is going to be here, she'll be slipping in really at the end of this show. Uh, She had some other things that she was dealing with this week. Definitely she's not dealing with Death on the Nile, the comic book adaptation of Agatha Christie's classic tale, which I'll be honest, this is not my favorite Agatha Christie book, nor is it my favorite Agatha Christie movie. And so I was uh, going into this going, oh, we're going to get a nice, big, long take on Death on the Nile. And we got a 48 page graphic novel that rushes through the tale. Yeah. Um, I, I think the 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 first uh, victim of how short this is, is like sort of the art itself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some tight panels and some like some like quick and not necessarily quick in a good way action. Mm-hmm. Um, and because some of the layout is like just so tight, just like so tightly squeezed together, sometimes it's actually kind of hard to tell what's going on, including figuring out who's saying what. Yeah. Uh, so uh, as I was going through this, I was like, why is this, you know, <laughs> 45 page comic? so difficult to read like why why does it feel like it's fighting me and i I think it's the layout of it i think they just try to get through so much so fast that you have a lot of these like really skinny narrow panels Mm -hmm. well well, it's interesting too because the the whoever the creators are on this i don't have the uh, the information here in front of me um the creators are using very different types of word balloons than what we might normally be useful used to in that the word balloons are like boxes but at the same time there's this weird swoop towards the person plus a hook in the yeah. uh, in the word balloon. So it is very and they get really super thin and tapered almost to a single line by the time you reach it. And somebody may be speaking on the far left side of the panel, but their word balloon is on the far right side of the panel. And they have that big swoop with a hook on it uh, going right. to where they are. And I I thought that that was a little distracting. And I would agree with you at times made it a little difficult to well, yeah, know who was talking and what was going on. There's a there's a panel on page nine, and I when I got to that panel, I was like, I gotta remember this panel to talk about it on the show. Uh, it's a lady talking to a man, um, and so the at first the lady is talking, and then the man is talking, and it is very difficult to figure that out because the curly cue that comes out of the lady's box mm-hmm. is obscured by the box mm. of the man talking mm-hmm. and then the curly cue that goes to the man hits the gutter like melds with it and then another point comes out somewhere else in the gutter like the t1000 yeah right it's so it's like i, I feel that as a as a proficient comic book reader somebody who actually has read a lot of comics i figured this out this was like a puzzle but who else would? Who else would sit around to be like, okay, 
which one of these two characters that I don't know that I even care about yet is talking in this panel, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like very distracting so much so that I don't even remember what they say in the panel. <laughs> Um, Matthew, did you like this? Did you like this? I mean, here's Euro comics. Here's mystery. I found it interesting, but I found it interesting mostly as kind of, a, I don't know, not like a case study, but sort of an example of how to do something. The first page of this comic features 10 super dense word filled panels. And it's probably five or seven pages of the story. Because the story, the book is like 300 pages. No, it's 48 but, pages. No, the comic book is oh, 48 the, oh, pages. Okay, okay. The book that it's adapting is literally 300 pages. Yeah, yeah. But 10 panels of stuff. I mean, it's it's almost a whole chapter of story. And it becomes, to me, interesting just to see how they get it all in I feel like um, we've read manga books that actually read right sure. to left right. that were easier to figure out, especially <laughs> in the digital format where I was going, because there are times when you have to, you know, the version that I'm looking at, I have to scroll down the page, then come back up to find the next balloon and then travel around. Every page is just packed to the gills with all sorts of stuff. And I feel like, it feels to me a lot like, have you guys ever read Classics Illustrated? Oh, of course. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the Classics Illustrated books where they're like, okay, uh, Johnny Tremaine is 450 pages. We're going to do it in 15, and we're going to have Joe Gill draw it, so everybody's going to look exactly the same. But this really, to me, felt a little bit like that. Definitely slightly more artistic, and I feel like maybe more successful, depending on your definition of success. But I liked it kind of as you know, just someone who likes to break down panels and look at the actual physical process of putting things in the comic and the actual traversing of the panels. You know, it comes to a point, there's a point about halfway through the book where I realize I've been actually conflating two characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Jackie and, and her assistant, because they both have similar haircuts with the little bangs in the front. Yep. And I'm like, oh, that's a different girl. Yep. Yeah. You just, you never, so yeah, there's, there's, there, there's kind of a lot of issues with this and it's not really the art, it's the layout, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, or the pacing or, or whatever. You just never get a, like a half a page shot of a person. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything is just so small and tight that um, you just like the best that you get are establishing shots, at least. Right. It's like you get these like wide, long shots um, of the Nile, of wherever they are uh, at that point in the trip. And it's like, I wish that instead of this, we had gotten like a full body shot of like any one of these characters yeah. even Poirot who who like we don't even know who like we know is not the guy who did it is like at least show us someone right, right. give some treatment to someone and I just like I'm looking through this and I'm like there's a lot of modern probably American comic book techniques that would make this a lot easier to read and I'm sure part of it is just that that's what I'm used to mm-hmm. but another side is just like you know if you just give different characters different color text boxes 
You don't have to say, so says Hercule Poirot when they're not on camera, right? You can just right. give that character their own text box, and now we know it's them. You know, it's yeah. interesting, Matthew, that you mentioned um, Classics Illustrated, because Classics Illustrated was like the cliff note, cliff note version of whatever they were adapting. And this feels very much like that, in that you are losing so much of the story because they're condensing this down to 48 pages. So somebody will, will go out and buy it. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, um, uh, want to poo poo somebody for wanting to go this route, but I think context, context and more detail can take this story further than it did. And so that's, that's, that's really where my biggest problem is, is there's just so much jumping around so much grasping that the reader and has to do in order to figure out where these connections are being made, that a lot of the mystery is just gone in this book. Well, and detail is actually one of the mixed blessings of the book for me, because each one of these tiny cramped panels oh. is detailed AF. I mean, no, I'm not talking about the art. I'm talking about the, right. the story elements. No, I agree. And I feel like the fact that not only are we looking at, you know, these panels and rushing through that story. Uh, there's a point actually where Poirot is like, aha, someone must have drugged me. And that is why I slept through the night. And I'm like, you slept through the night. And I, I had to go back and it's like, oh yeah, they mentioned that in a panel four pages ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to a point where having so much visual and artistic detail actually kind of draws your eye away from the, you know, the hard to figure out word balloons. And I think of these as French word balloons. I don't know if that's a, a mm-hmm. universal thing or not, but, you know, wacky long tailed balloons that have weird kind of radio bubbles in them. Cause in the United States, a, a balloon that goes like that means it's a radio or like a, a robot voice. Sure. Uh, the same thing with the square edges. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the vision with his robot voice. He has yeah. a robot voice. They're trying to convey that uh, this is all shot in like old in an old timey way. So they they're losing the highs and the lows, and that's why it sounds it sounds tinny. That's why right. they have square boxes. Yeah. That's clearly what it is. But I also feel like I'm almost certain this was written in French. Oh, I'm sure uh, it was. I, I don't remember what Francois the adaptation. Yale. I don't remember where the adaptation comes from. Knowing that um, it is here in the United States, it's Black Dog that is doing the translation for. Uh, Leventhal Publicier uh, lets me know that it's either Belgian or or French, uh, and so I'm going to go with with French on this. I would probably agree with you. Um, the art is, I think, really fantastic. Cramming as much as they do in those little tiny uh, panels, yeah. I think, works really, really well. It does become confusing, as Rodrigo says, when too many people are using the same style uh, for their hair, and you then have to make this stretch to, oh, this was a nurse. I thought it was so-and-so. And then it's like, oh, no, that's not the case. And then you're back to mental gymnastics of trying to figure out, you know, where is this story going? What are they trying to do? How are they sharing these right. clues with the reader that should have been maybe a little bit better, a little bit more uh, detailed in saying, oh, hey, dear reader, here's a little clue as Hercule Poirot is in the bathroom looking at this red bottle of something. Uh, you know, maybe call it out a little bit more in your translation. Now, I'm sure in the book, yeah. it would be a lot different, but um, here it was just it's it's just a, a mystery, to be honest with you. Yeah, it it really it really seems to me that, um, I mean, 
I, I don't know that I've ever read this, like read the actual book, but in detective stories, part of the fun is to figure it out along with the detective, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To me, this comic is not trying to do that. This comic is trying to give you as close of an adaptation of Death on the Nile as possible, as mm-hmm. opposed to using its own visual um, language to make it interesting for you to try to solve the mystery along with Poirot, right? It's like you never get a lineup of panels of potential suspects. You never get any um, text boxes giving you background on characters that have already been introduced, right? And there's, but there's so many characters that just like a little text box is like, remember, this is like the wealthy dowager and blah, blah, blah. You know, this is Mrs. Plum. That would have been nice if there was like an inside front cover of here are your cast of characters. Yeah, that would have been worked out really well. I don't think that I'm a um, a fan of the, the the cozy mystery, the Agatha Christie style mystery. Do you guys like the cozy mystery? I'm I'm more of a you know a little bit more gritty pulp, uh, black mask, Dashiell Hammett kind of of um, mysteries and detectives and that kind of stuff. Not really a not really a Agatha Christie fan, which may also have colored my view on this adaptation. It's it's definitely possible. I like the idea, you know, the the Agatha Christie premise of let's bring everybody together while Miss Marple or Poirot tells them, here's why you did it and how. And I like the fact that throughout this story, we're on a boat, three people get killed, and all that really happens is more yelling about it, mm-hmm. you know? I like just that nature. I have to say, I haven't read a bunch of, you know, Agatha Christie novels. I'm not a mystery reader by nature, but I kind of enjoyed the way this mystery played out in as much as it needed, at least in my experience, I feel like it needed twice as many pages and to yes. take these panels and do them bigger. Yes. You if know, we had got 96 the same amount pages, of information. if we had got 96 pages, I would have probably liked this better. Rodrigo, what about you? Are you a fan of the, of the cozy mystery? Uh, yeah, I, I like it. Okay. Because it feels like a puzzle, right? Mm, it's like, mm-hmm. here are all the pieces of information. Can you figure it out? And, and granted, as you're reading a mystery, the, the trick that the writer's trying to pull off is giving you just enough information so that you can't figure it out. But that when they tell you, you're like, oh, of course it was all in front of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got me, uh, I don't know, Conan Doyle or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I do like it. I do enjoy it if for no other reason than to see what they give you and what they don't give you sort of in a stand back and see how they, how they present the mystery to you because actually it's uh, a lot like giving information to players in a role-playing game and letting them figure things out. Right. The, the author kind of feeds you these like small amounts of information and you start building your theories. And then they give you different information that starts to conflict with it. And you're like, ah, perhaps my old theory was wrong. And then it turns out that maybe it was right. And you're like, ah, it turns out maybe it was right. Right. So um, structurally, to me, they're very interesting. And the fact that, um, you know, something like the Maltese Falcon, for example, um, where like instead of taking place in one room, it takes place in the entirety of San Francisco. Yeah. 
it just mm-hmm. opens itself up for a lot more happenstance, right? Like now there are like cars r- driving around and they're involved. Like new characters can just pop in and s- screw things or like muddy things up. Whereas, you know, your little bottle episode um, mystery gives you everything that you are eventually going to see used right at the beginning. It's like a fun little puzzle. Yeah. So this book is a little hard to track down. Um, there are a number of, of different places where you can uh, find these adaptations. Black Dog, the last time I saw anything about this was that they were looking to adapt or uh, adapt all of Agatha Christie's uh, most famous tales. I think there were like 12 of them planned. I don't know if they all got out. Um, I mean, in Europe, they have and our European listeners probably are familiar with this. Uh, but Black Dog here in the United States was doing the the English adaptation and releasing those. Um, so if you can track this down, I know on Amazon, I didn't put the link up this week on Amazon because, uh, I think the, the book is like a hundred dollars to try and get it. Cause it's that rare here yeah. in the U S but I think, uh, uh, people in, in other countries probably have easier access to this than we do. Bottom line for me is I'm, I like Agatha Christie to a point. Um, I'm not a huge fan of death on the Nile. I'm definitely not a fan of, uh, murder on the Orient Express. Um, so for me, because of the many, many problems with Death on the Nile, I'm going to have to say, save your money on this comic book adaptation and read the source material or watch the movie. Heaven forbid, if you want to put yourself through that, um, go watch the movie. Um, so I'm going to be a big pass on this one. Uh, Matthew, what about you? For me, it's uh, maybe check it out from the library because like so many books, it's more successful just looking at it and, you know, kind of parsing out the detail of how they fit it in, how it's drawn, how it's all put together. The actual mechanics of the the comicking are, to me, more successful than the reading experience of the book. But eh, I would definitely say check it out if you run into it. Um, I mean, it took me forever to find my copy, and then, you know, that's a thing. So. Yeah. And uh, when I say uh, go watch the movie, heaven forbid, I'm, of course, talking about the 1978 version of Death on the Nile and not the 2020 version that was supposed to come out on uh, December 20th, 2019, then was rescheduled for October 9th of 2020. So it should have been coming out this week when we scheduled this. Now it's been now it's been pushed all the way to some it says December, but I'm going to bet it's going to be 2021, just like all the other movies, all the other studios have pushed all their comic book fair to like 20 late 2021 and 2022. I don't know when this one is going to come out, but uh, I'm sure if Ashley were here this week, we'd be laughing with hilarity because Geek History Listen this week is all about the James Bond and James Bond, of course, also just had a, a big bump. So, Rodrigo, final thoughts from you on Death on the Nile. Uh, well. Uh, so, so first off, I, I will point out that there was a Poirot series yes. that for us in the U.S. aired on PBS um, around 2004. So there's another option for you if you can track that down, uh, if you want to see Death on the Nile. Uh, for me, uh, I don't dislike Agatha Christie's stuff. I, in fact, really like that sort of like, you know, closed box mystery. Mm-hmm. Um but I just felt like it, it just seems like somebody sat on this comic. You know, I was like, it's just so squished together. Um, there's a, there are like two panels where like a, a lady gets hit 
like as as like somebody with a gun is like running past her and then they shoot the gun and those panels are like like each of them is like an inch and a half across you have to like squint down to like actually get a good look at what is actually happening and you still won't get a good look at what's happening because they're tiny so it, this this book wanted to be longer so for me it's going to be a if you see it at the library pick it up and flip through it yeah the art is really, really pretty in here. That's that's uh, to it me is. that's it's, it's nice. redeeming. It's redeeming value, as Matthew said, is here in the art. But if you're wanting a complete story, I think you can get it anywhere. And maybe the you said that the BBC uh, series might be a better place. I've only seen one or two episodes from that series. I know it ran on PBS and BBC America. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm trying, trying to track I'm trying that to down. Look for streaming. Yeah, I may try to track it, that down. I'm trying to yeah. think who has. I know there's a channel on YouTube that's just been, I don't think they're doing it legally, but they've just been running a lot of old, you know, Discovery Channel shows like um, uh, Nero Wolf and I think Nero Wolf uh, episodes that were also on, you know, AMC or A&E, that kind of stuff. So it may be so, out there. So if you are, if you uh, have BritBox, you can watch uh, Agatha Christie's Poirot series you know, as part of your stream, or you can buy the episodes individually on Amazon. There so far that I've seen, that's the only streaming that legal streaming that's available. All right, there you go. And listeners, there you go. That's what happens when movie schedules and our pre-planning uh, meet a pandemic. So I hope you enjoyed this week's thing. I can guarantee you we won't be trying to schedule. Well, I can't say that for certain, but I'm going to promise that as I plan for next year's uh, list of comics that we're going to be reviewing, it will not coincide with any movie release. So there you go. And I think that's, uh, you know, thank you, Matthew, for being here. Thank you, Rodrigo, for being here. And dear listener, I think, thank you for being here this week as we wrap up this uh, issue. And uh, thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. The one year we get our act together, everybody else falls apart. But... As always, we love your feedback. You can use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this Vera French episode, or even better, send us an email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. Next week on the Major Spoilers podcast, oh, have I got a trivia game for our, our uh, panel members you guys are going to have to put on your big brains next week. This is really good. This is a really good one. It's going to tax your minds. And dear listener, it might tax your minds as well. But you're going to have to come back next week to find out what it is. Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little me would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah.
reach like a man of iron. Might not be surprised to find that I might actually have the heart cold to follow an entire storyline. Would I really even need to read upon all those escapades? I mean, who needs such distractions when your sister's such a babe? But the downside is such a beast. Being shot up in a fun being the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.